a lot of these farms have been in the family, you know, for a hundred years or more. Yeah. So when you feel like you're, I felt like I was losing my legacy that my grandfather started back in the '30s, and you feel like you're letting everybody down. And your mind just spins out of control and you don't know what to do. That's Randy Roker, a dairy farmer from Loganville, Wisconsin. With over 800 dairy farms closing in Wisconsin alone last year, it's no wonder that farmers have one of the highest on-job suicide rates and dairy farmers are at 16 times higher of a risk. This is the first in a four-part series, Farmers Have Feelings. Putting the men in mental health, this is Mental Health Monday. Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a health care or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is useful, but it's not always a substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, how are you, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Things always happen and come together for a reason, I feel like. And the entire month of February, I'm doing every single Monday in February, I've got four of them, I'm dedicating to farmers. I'm calling it Farmers Have Feelings in the month of February and just kind of focusing on the farming industry, agriculture, and how farmers deal with their own mental health. And I got the idea for this from a Journal Sentinel article that I stumbled across maybe a month and a half ago about a guy named Leon Statz who took his own life. He died by suicide, a Loganville farmer. And in that article, there was they kept mentioning this Randy Roker fellow, Randy Roker, and how Randy knew him. Randy had been through his own struggles, and Randy was even start, you know talking to other farmers and getting his you know getting other farmers together to talk about mental health. And I was like, wow, I want to start talking about farmers. Then I went about my business and talked to other farmers, and then I stumbled upon your name, and it kind of came full circle just. A week and a half ago when I talked to somebody from the Wisconsin Farm Bureau's Association and they brought up your name and I was like, my goodness, that's the guy that basically inspired me to do this whole series. So I'm so excited that I get to talk to you for my first guest for this uh, Farmers Have Feelings podcast. So welcome. Well, thank you. As much of an introduction as that can be, I guess. (laughs) No, (laughs) No, it really, uh, I am just really overwhelmed by the support of our community and this is spread all across the country, actually. Because now there's different groups that are starting in other states to benefit farmers too dealing with this. You have a group, is it called the Farmer Angel Network? I'm seeing what that's called? Yeah, that's what it is. Actually, we started the group in my church. And so I'll take you back right from when this all started. So, yeah, please do. Um, the whole story is, is that I expanded my dairy back in 2006. And I borrowed millions of dollars. I wanted to modernize. I wanted to make it so my own family could come back in again. My parents are 80. And I wanted my children to come back to the farm. So, you know, I borrowed a lot of money. I expanded the dairy. We milked 300 cows. And so I got stuck in the middle of the recession then in 2008. Mm. And it just absolutely ruined my life. I mean, what I went through. And I am kind of an outgoing guy, you know, well-known in the dairy industry circle. And I was going through this problem in my own life with the bank and everything. And so... I understand firsthand what happened. And like I said, I never thought I would have depression issues. And it really hit me pretty bad. When you said it hit you bad, I mean, how were you at a point where you were contemplating just ending everything? And were you at a suicidal point in your life? Yes, it was that bad. I mean, um, I went to counselor after counselor and you know, psychiatrist and medical doctors. And I was on over 20 different medications. And 
it was so bad they didn't know what to do. And then I even had that electroshock treatment done. And I mean, that's like something out of medieval times, I think, when I look back at it now. But I was so desperate, and I didn't understand even what was going on. And like I said, I got handed off from doctor to doctor, and um, we tried nine times I had that electroshock therapy done. And all that really did was erase a lot of my memory. They said it wouldn't do it, but my kids growing up like in high school and college. So I lost a lot of memory during that time period. It's funny. I can remember my own life way back to, you know, first grade and stuff like that. But my own kids growing up, it seemed to erase a lot of that stuff. The brain is so so, weird how it works sometimes. Oh, it is. And so that's what happened. And then I actually ended up in the hospital three times and, Oh, I took overdoses all the time because I had so many pills. I didn't even know what I was really taking. I was that bad. And so I survived that. Okay. And, um, Mainly, I just finally just got off all the medication because the medication makes you so confused that, you know, when you hear the warnings on television commercials and stuff from antidepressants, a lot of the stuff, it increases suicidal thoughts. And it's true. It does. I mean, the stuff that I thought, it was unbelievable. Your head just spins out of control. And I hit the lowest point in my life. And I just, everybody said, well, why did you snap out of this? Well, actually, what happened is I just kind of, thought of my family standing around my casket at the funeral home. I know it sounds kind of bad, but that's the moment that I had that I thought of my family. If I would do this, you know, what would my family, it would bring, you know, generations that would affect my family then if I would do something like this. And I just kind of snapped out of, out of it with that. And so I made it through my part. And then this happened to Leon, and his farm is actually only a few miles from ours, and we all grew up together, you know, so I knew the family really well. And so when I heard this, we were having this art tour in the Loganville area where, you know, city people come out, they drive around the country and look at the leaves and stuff, and there's art exhibits out in the country. And we had one at our church, St. Peter's in Loganville. So I stopped in there, and there were some of my neighbors there, and, of course, people were talking about what happened to Leon. And I started to cry, and I said, you guys just don't get this. You don't get what this is like to struggle with this. And, I mean, it hit me really hard. And that was, I think it was on a, was that Sunday? And then Monday I went and I talked to my therapist, which I'd only been seeing her just to touch base once in a while now. And I stopped in there, and I told her, I said, you know, I said, I think this is my calling that I can help farmers deal with it because I was there. I understand what it is like. So that's what happened. And then I talked to Dale Meyer. He's the president of our men's club in the church. So then he was instrumental too, because he's actually a retired um, police officer, a detective. So he understood about suicide. Absolutely. Touches law enforcement very hard. That's right. And so that's how these meetings started going, happening. I talked to Brenda Stotts then. And it was so soon after this happened to her husband, and I didn't know if she would really like to be involved in this. And, yeah, she came on board, too, then, and that's how we started putting these meetings on. So it started in our church, but then we wanted to expand it a little more. So actually now we're working, like, with the Sauk County Health Department here, and we started this Farmer Angel Network, it's called. And we have a Facebook page for that, and we have different meetings. I just had one, I think it was yesterday. And we talk with different subjects about farmers and mental health and things that we can do to help and things like that. So that's what's all going on with that. I think that farmers sometimes there's there's a big sense of pride with the farming community because you have some farmers that have had these farms and these houses that their grandparents built and they've been there for generations upon generations and they don't want it to fail. They, they feel like they have to hold it all together on their own. 
What would you tell to somebody who may be in that situation, much like you were? You said that you thought of your family. That that was how you you pulled through. Are there any? Is there anything else that farmers can do to reach out? Are there any other outlets for them when they get into these dark, dark places? Well, I understand firsthand. I mean, a lot of these farms have been in the family, you know, for a hundred years or more. Yeah. So when you feel like you're, I felt like I was losing my legacy that my grandfather started back in the '30s, and you feel like you're letting everybody down. And your mind just spins out of control, and you don't know what to do. And so, like I tell everybody, you know, you can go to talk to a professional person, a psychiatrist and a therapist and everything like that, but they do not understand what a farmer goes through. Farming is different than other businesses. It's a way of life. Sure, it's a business, but it's a way of life that we have out here. And when you feel that you're losing this heritage, this legacy that you have, it hits you like none other. And that's what I like to do. You know, I'm available. People have been calling me all the time now since my name is put out there just to listen to these people. Because what do you do? Like I said, you go to a professional counselor. They don't understand how intricate it is on a farm. Well, it's until you've walked the walk, it's hard to, to listen to somebody. You're not going to take them seriously. It's much like I would think a veteran would listen to another veteran much more about their mental health issues than just a regular therapist that doesn't know anything about the military or have any sort of background. It's so specialized and so niche until you've walked down that line and actually put your, your blood, your sweat, your tears into your farm. I don't think you can really empathize with a farmer until you've walked down it. And I think that's why people probably reach out to you because – You've been there and you get it. Yeah, that's, you know, I've been to the deepest depths. I mean, you're in this hole and you're trying to get out. And I, I never thought I would have this depression issue like that. The deeper, that really, it hit me bad. And so now I'm using my experience to help others deal with this. And like I said, nothing else than there to just to listen, because that's the biggest thing. When I was going through this, there, it just seemed that nobody wanted to listen to me. Nobody. And you feel like you're losing all your friends, your community feel you feel like they're turning you know their back on you, and just to be there to listen is the biggest thing with all this. What do you think are, are some methods of self help that some farmers can do because you got to find time for yourself to help yourself. Is there anything that farmers can do, like maybe something that you do on your own time well the the thing with me, I'm a little bit fortunate than most, because I was appointed by the secretaries of ag under Bush, Obama, and now Trump to be on this dairy promotion board. I'm okay. on, I was appointed the National Dairy Promotion Board, and we handle the checkoff money, and we work on a lot of different, you know, we promote agri- uh, dairy use is what we do. Uh-huh. So I travel a lot to these different board meetings, and the main office is down by Chicago, so every other month I get to go someplace to these meetings. So I get off the farm. But most farmers don't have that opportunity that that I do. And you have to take time for yourself. And I know in my own situation, I tried to exercise. So I joined the gym, and I wanted to take these, you know, the classes there and get in shape and everything. But the thing of it is, it doesn't even work to join a gym to be on a farm because the hours, you know, like I said, I wanted to go in there and work out an hour every day. Right. But farming, farmers' schedules are so different that you just can't make it into this class every day for an hour to go to the gym. Yep. And so I'm working with another lady right now, putting together kind of like an exercise thing for farmers that, you know, there are things that you can do on the farm. You know, it may sound funny, you know, you're walking around the farm all day anyway, but just go for a walk and kind of clear your thoughts. That's what you have to do. Clear your head and just go for a walk out in the field, you know, and just turn your phone off and 
just have a little personal time is what you need to do. You mentioned you'd work um, kind of in the the governmental side of of agriculture. Has the this new deal, this United States Mexico Canada agreement, is this going to be good for farmers, like they're saying in the news, or is it just kind of status quo? How do you how do you feel if if you are comfortable speaking on it at all? Well, I, we're going to have to wait and see what actually happens. I can remember I went to Washington D.C. on a lobbying trip for the North America Free Trade Agreement when that was going on. NAFTA, that, right? How many years ago that was NAFTA? So I was there on a lobbying trip, and I talked to congressmen, and then we went to some embassies and things. So I didn't realize how bad our trade really was with Mexico and Canada. Yeah. So let's see once what happens now with this new agreement. I've had this thing in the last 30 years of my life on the farm that, you know, you put together business plans and everything. Nothing works like it's supposed to on paper. So let's right. see once what happens. Well, that's life. It just never does. <laughs> yeah. It just never does. I mean, I did business plans for my business and everything. Nothing works like it's supposed to. So let's see what's what happens. I guess it's better than nothing. I mean, we have to see when the trade imbalance is so great. Yeah. And I went, I went on a trade mission to China for uh, whey products back in 2008. And we have worked with China for you know a long time, building this relationship for the dairy industry. Yep. And basically, overnight, you know, when they put these tariffs on, everything changed. And we're doing no dairy trade with China. So this all has to get corrected, too. And the imbalance is so bad that something had to be done. And other previous administrations basically kicked the can down the road, and nothing was done. So now, hopefully, they signed an agreement with China and with Japan. And I believe he, President Trump even had something in the works with India. I read that once, too. So there's a lot of things that are going to be coming in the future. But the imbalance was so great that something had to be done. And I always say that we need to have short-term pain to have long-term gain. So hopefully this is going to change. But the dairy industry right now, we've had five years of depressed prices. So this isn't just a matter of the last three years of the Trump administration. This has been going back a long time. And I've told one of my friends, too, that this actually has been going on since the Nixon administration yeah. when Earl Butts was the Secretary of Ag because he really ushered in, I'd say, commercialized industrial farming. He said, you know, get bigger, go out and farm fence row to fence row. Well, everybody did that in the 70s, and then the 80s came with the high interest rates. My dad, you know, they were paying over 18% interest back in the oh my day. Goodness. And this is what happened. And at that time, that's when all the farm suicides were happening because of the, you know, the banks were taking the farms back then because the interest rates were so high. So this is just like a replay of what happened back then. It's just people are paying more attention to it now. That's right, because like I said, nobody talked about this. Even when I went through this back in 2008, 9, 10 is when I hit the, the depths of my problem, nobody talked about it. But now at least we're shedding the stigma that they have with depression that at least people are starting to talk about it. Absolutely. Well, um, I admire everything you're doing for the agriculture industry, especially out in that rural area. You're out in Loganville, correct? That's right. Population 300. So it's really, I'm very proud of what we're doing. Yes. Well, I'm glad that somebody's out there, you know, fighting the good fight and keeping farmers open and talking about their feelings because it's totally okay and is a great amount of strength in asking for help. That's right. And like I said, I'm available. You know, if anybody wants to ever talk, I, like I said, I've gotten phone calls from all over the country, from farmers, from media. We've been interviewed so many times this last year. It was just incredible. And first part of September, we were on NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt, even. They came out to our farm, and they talked to uh, Brenda Stotts, then and people from our church. So we've had national exposure from what we're doing. And this is filtering down 
up to the national level because Senator Grassley put in the farm bill this year to, I think it was either 2 or $3 million to set aside for farmer mental health awareness programs. Wow. So this is at the national level that this is going to. And right. Governor Evers, last week at his State of the State address, he had in there, too, that he's setting aside. I don't know how, how much he put aside for different programs to help farmers. So it's actually you know, innovation in dairy products and you know mental health awareness. And there's a lot of things that he put in the budget. But, Andy, this bipartisan or whatever you want to call it, it's the Republicans against the Democrats constantly. Yeah. And when you're playing with farmer mental health and suicides, this has got to stop, this bickering back and forth, because Evers is going to call this special session to address these problems. And now, from what I understand, the Republicans won't even go to the special session. So oh, they didn't want to listen. I've heard. No, and this has got to stop, because when we're dealing with farmers' you know, lives are at stake here, and people are trying to help, we've got to get rid of this politics business between the two sides. A nonpartisan issue at all. It's a, human, it's a human issue. It's not Democrat, Republican, man, woman, black, white, yellow. It's a human issue, you know, mental exactly. health. It affects everybody. This, it doesn't discriminate. It and it's not, you know, and we're speaking out on the farmer side of this, but believe me, their suicide awareness has to be brought to, to attention for the whole country. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people out there suffering, a lot of people. And, you know, they say that, you know, everybody, the economy is growing and everything. But like I said, we've had five years of depressed prices out here. And on my farm, it was so bad, we were losing up to $30,000 a month wow. is what it is. It amounts to 60 to $100 per cow per month. Wow. I'm milking 300 cows, so we were losing 30000 a month. Milk prices increased now the last couple of months. So, yippee, we've had two or three good years or two or three good months that the prices went up a little bit. But guess what? You're still not to break even. So if I'm selling milk for $20 and it costs me maybe, I don't even know what it is, 25 to produce or whatever the figure is, so you're still losing money. And this is what gets me so upset is that we can't change it. I cannot set the price of my milk. My milk prices are determined by the government. And basically, you know, we take what they give us, and we can't change that. And so that's the problem that we have. Farmers are under a lot of stress, and we have to change this. So at least we're taking baby steps now. We're at least talking about it. We yeah. never used to talk about mental health. And farmers are very proud people, Yeah. and you don't want to ask for help. So I'm also pleased at the state level that through the Farm Crisis Center in Madison, farmers can reach out to that, the Farm Crisis Center, so there are vouchers available. So you can get vouchers to go in and have like an hour of free counseling to get you in the door to start getting help. Because usually farmers insurance, you know, we don't have the money and the insurance is usually bad. Yeah. So at least this voucher system. And I know people that, you know, themselves, their husband and their wife and the kids, they've all went in for counseling with these free vouchers that you can get. And, the, and you should use those vouchers. They're there for a reason to use them. And as another taxpayer in the state of Wisconsin, I say, please use them because I'm paying for them. So please use them. Exactly. Exactly. Up next, I'm talking to Dan Paulson. Dan's now a retired farmer, but worked on the Wisconsin Farm Bureau for more than 30 years and served as the president of the board for 12 years. He was the second generation to farm the Paulson Family Farm in Palmyra, Wisconsin. And he's a big mental health advocate. My first question for him was, how do farmers deal with the isolation out there? You're all by yourself with just your animals and, well, yourself. Uh, I think that uh, one of the things that uh, we need to think about first is that how do farmers think? And uh, I think that farmers think about 
their animals and their assets and their family first. Yep. And themselves second. And uh, I think that um, when that happens, uh, sometimes we uh, we lose track of uh, the importance of uh, taking care of ourselves and being sure that we're able to uh, to see uh, the forest for the trees. Yeah. And do the things that we need to do. Are there resources out there for farmers who are isolated and think that there may be maybe something going on with them? Someone like another farmer network that they can reach out to? Is there anything like that that is available or could be available? Well, I think there's a lot of things going on in counties that uh, really uh, Health and Human Services really offers some programs that can help. Uh-huh. I know that that takes away from what it is you're doing on a daily basis if you're going to take and spend some time with someone else like that. I think it's important to think about how do you make contact with someone else that can give you a hand. There are groups like NAMI. My wife and I were very much involved with NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a support group. And uh, I know that uh, some of that stuff sounds, uh, oh, I don't have time for that. That's not something I want to do. And it may not be something that you want to do, but I think that if you spend some time doing it, you begin to see what's going on around you. And when you see what's going on around you, how does that help you financially? How does that help you get your things in order? How does it help you do the things you ought to do? And how does it get you to think about the issues that are important to you? You know, how, uh, how, what is my financial situation? Uh, how do I think about my financial situation? Do I have help with that? Mm-hmm. Do I need some help with that? And uh, are there groups that can help you? And there certainly are. There are financial groups that certainly can help from the standpoint of uh, better understanding where you're at. So it sounds like what you're saying basically is that where some farmers are reluctant to reach out for help, that they may not know that by doing so and asking for help and by reaching out, that they may see the bigger picture and realize other problems and be able to help themselves even more in the long run. I think that's true because I think that sometimes we just think we can do it. Yeah. Well, that's men too. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of like uh, the little tractor that says, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Uh And uh, uh, then he says, I know I could, I know I could, I know I could. And, and I, I just think that that's where we find ourselves many times, is stepping back instead of stepping forward. And if we step forward and uh, talk to some of the people who can help us, then we begin to get some help. Yep. You know, Extension has done a lot of things. University Extension and uh, the land-grant colleges have, have done a lot of things that uh, can, can really be of help to people if people are listening. But sometimes we don't want to listen. We, uh, we back off. We're, uh, no, I don't need that help. I, I can get along. I, I, that's for wimps. I, I don't need that. Well, then all of a sudden you're in deep water. Now you're in deep water, and what do you do? You buy some equipment, and... And uh, pretty soon the, the equipment's got to be paid for, and it may have to be fixed, and you have to be able to function. And if you can't function, then you just kind of sit down and withdraw. Yeah. And I think that uh, sometimes we just need to be sure that we can 
we can function mm -hmm. and we can think about the issues of the day and where we're at. And we need to talk it over. If we have a spouse, we need to talk to our spouse. Don't shed that. That's, that's an important thing because you're in this together. You've probably both signed the contract. And so you both need to be looking at what are the issues. Women are very good at, at helping figure things out. Women are talkers. They talk about That's things. That's right. <laughs> and uh, even you need to share it with your family. You need to share it with the kids. The kids mm -hmm. need to know that things aren't going so good. And uh, don't just say, oh, yeah, we can get that, we can get that, we can get that, when, when we can't get it. If we can't afford it, we shouldn't buy it. Those are some things that I see that uh, really play with the, the mental condition yeah. of people and, and uh, have, have really been around for a long, long time. Uh, nothing, lots of things don't really change. Yeah. Do you think it's moving in a better direction now that more people seem to be talking about it? Well, I think we've all had a, a, a situation of depression. I think within all of us is, uh, is some form of of those kind of realities and uh those are hard to uh to really diagnose and 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 overcome but i i think if we're if we're if we're strong and continue to try to be strong and don't give up and and put our support in people and put our support in a in a in a church family or put our support in in groups around us that we can learn and do lots of things. You know, I served on the Farm Bureau Board, County Farm Bureau Board, for a number of years. And I always thought that just coming together and meeting with those farmers once a month and listening to some of the things that they had to say and listening to what was going on around us in the world, knowing what was happening with, with the world, that we had a better understanding of where who we were and where we were. And that sounds maybe kind of corny, but yet on the other hand, I, I just think that we need to, uh, to, to feed off of the people around us. And if we do feed off of the people around us, we go home that evening without that feeling of despair. Yeah. We go home without with an idea that, oh, maybe I could do that. Yeah. And you get a new idea. And new ideas uh, give you new opportunities. And new opportunities take you in, in different directions and, and cause you to make a change and, and maybe pick up on something that's, that's lacking in your operation. You know, we, we, we run an operation every day, and, and it's, it, it may not be big. It doesn't have to be big. You run your operation, and you run it for your own need, your own livelihood. Yeah. You don't run it for somebody else's livelihood. You run it for yours and your family. Yeah. And what difference does it make how much money you make? The important thing is that you can... You can function, and you can have in the end of the, at the end of the day uh, what you've been working for, and and what you you've needed. And uh, I think then in turn uh, you have uh, a lot of things that work for you, 
and uh, and uh, you can make them work for you. Well, I really thank you for your time today, and I hope I don't offend you by saying you were, you were a man of an older age, and I appreciate a, a man of your age still being so active and willing to speak about mental health and being having such an open mind about it, because I think that's incredibly important, and I hope that your words can resonate with somebody who may be a little more close-minded to make them think that they should reach out and talk to somebody and not just think that they can handle it all by themselves on their own. It's okay to reach you know, out for I help. I remember a friend of mine who was having some problems. Yeah. And uh, one night he said, uh, at a meeting, he said, would you walk with me and talk with me? Mm-hmm. And uh, we had the conversation, and uh, I felt I helped him. And if I could help him, I, uh, I really felt good about that. I hope that he did too. And uh, I don't think we know until we walk with someone what they're going through and what we can do to help them. Being kind can go so far. Just being kind yeah. to somebody and listening to somebody can really go yeah. really far. Dan Paulson, thank you very much for taking the time today. I appreciate you coming on my podcast. Oh, you're very this morning. welcome. And this has been part one of four Mental Health Monday. It's the Farmers Have Feelings series. Next week, we're going to go on a road trip. You're going to come with me to an actual, legit, working, functioning farm. Please share this podcast with a farmer you may know, someone that may know a farmer, anyone in the agriculture business. And I'll talk to you next week on Mental Health Monday. It's a Rigs Off the Radio podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day, your afternoon, your night, your weekend, whatever. Remember, make good life decisions.